Hi there, a quick note before we begin the episode. Did you know that Atlas Lingue has its own audiobook with exclusive and brand new material? It's called Atlas Lingue, the layers of language behind everyday life. In this audiobook, we share additional exclusive commentaries on each episode with brand new insights and examples on the subject that we can't stop thinking about, how humans translate everything that comes their way. Also remember, when you buy Ochenta's audiobooks, you're directly supporting our independent audio series productions. So find Atlas Lingue, the layers of language behind everyday life, on Libro.fm, Apple Books, Google Play, Storytel, BookBeat, and on your favorite audiobooks app. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of Atlas Lingue, the show that's all about language, culture, and communication. I'm your host, Luis Lopez. Now, for this episode, we guarantee you'll have a lot of fun, because this time we have not one, but two guests. Two Latinos who are great writers, actors, comedians, collaborators, but most importantly, friends. Michael Diaz and Jamie Fernandez. Michael is the creator behind the hilarious Juan Bago, a Dominican New Yorker best known for his candid, man-on-the-street style of comedy, but one that always highlights and praises the cultural uniqueness of his neighborhood. He and Jamie, who co-wrote and co-directed the Audible series Michelle Rojas is Not Okay, are both co-hosts of the Translators podcast, an interview show that offers in-depth conversations with Latina creators. Embrace yourself because these two together are amazing. So, without further ado, here's our conversation with Michael and Jamie. First of all, Michael, Jamie, thanks for being on the show. How are you? We're good. Yeah. Thank you for having us. We're excited to be here. Thank you uh, for having us on your on your show. Of course. Thanks. Um, That's the only thing we have scripted. Uh, so uh, <laughs> <Okay>. now <laughs> everything's just going to be off the cuff. Yeah. Perfect. I love it. <laughs> I love that a lot of your content revolves around your everyday life, your upbringing, the people around you, your neighborhood. Uh, so I'd love to start by perhaps asking you both a little bit about yourselves, about where you grew up and how that environment in one way or another shaped what you wanted to work on eventually. Yeah, um, for me, I was born in New Rochelle, New York, up, you know, up in Westchester area. Um, and then my parents moved to Connecticut. Um, so predominantly my whole childhood was in Connecticut. Um, I uh, am Dominican, Dominican-American, but a lot of my family was in New York City. Um, so growing up, I was the only Latino in my school or one of the only Latinos in my school. So I always had two worlds uh, when I'm with my family or with Dominicans speaking Spanish. And then my Monday to Friday while I was in school was English. And so it felt like I was in two different worlds that I felt like I wasn't completely fitting in. 
then once I hit my early 20s, um, I moved to Washington Heights, which was around the time where I started creating content. And I always felt growing up that I had to always explain who I was and what my identity was. And so that kind of guided my voice when I was creating content that's Dominican or Washington Heights. I felt that it was the muscle memory of me always saying, hey, this is what Dominican is or this is our culture, because I always was at a point where I was explaining it. And so it sort of kind of was a thread of how I was creating content um, based on my the way I was in uh, Connecticut growing up. And me, I actually grew up uh uh, near Washington High, I'm in Inwood, so like, I'm like, you could throw a rock, you know, and it lands in Washington Heights, but um, uh, so I kind of claimed the Heights, you know, when the movie came out, I wanted to be down, so right. I was like, hey, that's where, I, that's where I'm from. <laughs> you can see my house from But there. technically, I feel like that's where I'm from. Um, <laughs> and I also sing in public, but that, we're listening to oh, there. Um, yeah, 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 uh, only on the weekends. So I have a Puerto Rican mother, and my father uh, is from Spain, so I had a... Very, and so growing up in the Heights, all my friends were Dominican. So I had like, it was just kind of, uh, the culture was all over the place. Like I, I felt like I was part of a lot of different cultures uh, at, when I was growing up, but still always kind of felt not 100% comfortable claiming one, right? You know, uh, I, I felt very Americanized. I, I didn't learn Spanish fluent, you know, I kind of just have the New Yorkian kind of, you know, I kind of sound like J-Lo's a little better than me as far as speaking <laughs> Spanish. That's how you can look at my Spanish. Um, so I don't know. I guess I, I, I do sometimes feel like um, I should be more immersed in my different cultures that, that I'm from. But, you know, growing up in the city, growing up in New York and, and, and around many different Latino communities, you know, I love it. I mean, I love that's a part of me, you know what I mean? Like I relate to that as a, you know, a writer and performer. That is what I'm drawn to as far as creating stories based on that, because it's authentic to me and they say, write what you know. So I feel like that that's a lot of the times is what I write. Um, and comedically, because we like to do that, but flip it with a little comedic kind of thing, which we don't really see in, in um, popular culture, really like our culture kind of, really like hitting the comedy no no but I, I love that like a way to to use comedy as a way to showcase your cultural identity and the cultural diversity of where you grew up right so i noticed that that's something in common and that latinos both in as you said jamie like like having parents from different countries and like different backgrounds but also just in your day-to-day -day life, interacting with people from other places as well, who also have like hyphenated or just very different backgrounds, right? I guess that's also part of the of the influence of just being surrounded by people from, and of course, not only Latinos, right? But people from all over the world as well. And, you know, Latinos, we like, we have a specific, again, there's, you feel like there's topics that are not being hit because we don't, we're not, we don't get that much chances to kind of really tell our stories. So I still feel like there's a vast amount of stories that we could kind of really we can write and create that that we haven't seen yet. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Like, I mean, again, like we're we're at a point right now where when there's a show or on a stream that's not specific, we still have more stories to be told. And I think that that's something that we were we're hoping to to get out there more because an experience of a Dominican in the Bronx is not the same experience of a Dominican that probably is in Miami. Is there two different aspects? Of course, yeah, certainly. 
Michael, could you tell me about uh, Juan Bago? I know that like a lot of people also know you uh, under this name. So I wanted to ask you about Juan Bago. How would you define him? Is he you? Is he like a character, like a, a sort of like a persona that you built? And, and what motivated you to originally develop Juan Bago? That's a great, great, great question that sort of the way Juan Bago came to be was my first project ever was an independent feature called The Story of Juan Bago. And originally I had in mind casting the lead, which was going to be Juan Bago, but doing an independent film with the budget and the scheduling, I decided just to take it. I knew that I can perform in that type of schedule. And so when the film was completed and I had to go out there and promote it and network, they were asking what the film is. And I was like, it's the story of Juan Bago. And I, you know, I am Juan Bago. And so from there, I started having little projects that I was Juan Bago, but then there were other different characters that I played as Juan Bago. And it's sort of this, it's a sort of meta version of who I am. Because a lot of times people say, Michael Diaz, that's the business guy. That's the producer guy. That's the guy that you meet and we interact and we're, we're taken care of behind the scenes. But then the Juan Bago is that character that I play comedically. Either is some of the sketches that I've done in the past with some of the platforms, or if it's a podcast, it's the comedic meta version of who I am. But it all started with me making that decision of playing Juan Bago in, a, in the film that I produced and it was just a necessity. So yeah, it's it's sort of organically just caught on to me and through the projects made it my separate Michael Diaz is this person and Juan Bago is this person. Yeah, no, I love that so much. And I watched not not the full thing, but like to, to just get my get an idea of who of what it was, like the story of Juan Bago. And I thought it was it was so fun to see like the origins of, of the character and also how you've developed Juan Bago, right? And so like over the years you've continued to play him, right? And in like in your music parody videos and in your uh, Bagel briefs and all of that. So I, want, I wanted to ask you like, how has it been developing this character over the years, growing with, with him, you know? And has he developed and changed over time? Yeah, I mean, again, I think it's been something where, you know, when I first started doing Juan Bagel and it was also when we did the comedy troupe, uh, Room 28, it was sort of like Juan Bago and like friends. And then we morphed into this comedy troupe. But I was doing man in the street stuff, the interview stuff, as Juan Bago back in 07, 08, 09. I was doing it for a platform. And so even that man in the street Juan Bago version has developed in a sense of the maturity and understanding the bigger picture. Because Bago Briefs, obviously, is comedy. I had Jamie in one segment, but it's sort of trying to interact with the community, but in a more mature way where it's sort of like maybe in 0708, more trolling just for humor. Now it's more for the educational and for more of the understanding and kind of reading it through just the reps and experience. So, yeah, that version of me and Juan Bago has as my maturity of comedy and understanding of it and the reps, he has also been that version of me that's evolved in understanding the bigger meaning because like what Jamie was saying before and how you were saying how comedy has a certain way to show a lens and to learn and experience, so has the Juan Bago version of me as well. Now answer that question as Juan Bago. (laughs) Yes, I (laughs) That's quick right there. I'm like, yeah, exactly what he said, but not really. He takes himself right, too, right, right, right. Michael takes himself too serious. Come on now. Like, yeah. what's going on here? 
I mean, given the uh, when Juan Bago started as a character, would you say like there is a similar approach to to Borat? You know, Sasha Baron Cohen's Borat or or Ali G. I think that's his name, right? Uh, like of this character, very much from that era from the 2000s that looks at a way to like to provoke and to troll perhaps sometimes i noticed that like in more recent versions of juan bago it's been different it's changed certainly but like would you say that there was some similarities in that style of comedy when it started yeah yeah and it's so it's so interesting because the challenge of doing the latest version of bago briefs is that working with him he brought a different type of comedy. Like he's giving me advice before I go into Man in the Street, and it's one of the things that I was Jamie, thinking you about, mean, right? Of course, just, yeah, with just Jamie. Jamie yes, for, for the audio version, we're, we're, we're yeah, yeah, Jamie Bago, Jamie yeah. Bago. Yeah. <laughs> we're revealing that in the next right, one. Right. He's actually my cousin. Yeah. No, yeah. so with Jamie, because that like the last the last version of it where I did was I want to kind of mix certain things, and so Jamie is the friend that doesn't give me the right advice, and so I had a you know, there's a fine line between acting a certain way with him and then going in the street and not acting like a completely different person. But I feel like, you know, there's a lot of comedy now. Right now is very popular. The interviewing in the street and making the person that's being interviewed the butt of the joke. And it's more of like the gotcha. And I knew that there's a backlash and there, it's that's to me, I feel like that's low hanging fruit. But there are topics that naturally they didn't even have to do anything specifically with older generation of Dominicans and Latinos and Washington Heights. It's just an older generation. And so I knew that there were some parallels that I was asking them questions that they may be like, oh, my God, I've been doing this. So the trolling comes from like, but wait a minute, you've been doing this and you're against it, but you've been doing this. So it's being more surgical in the, in the aspect of being trolling, but not trolling to make them the butt of the joke, but more trolling to bring the awareness that there is a little bit of the double standard. So that's where it came with the maturity of Juan Bago and understanding how to get certain answers from people in the street without them feeling like, I'm not going to, I'm not doing this. I'm, I'm feeling offended. Yeah, no, and and I really love that when when I watched some of the videos of, of the Bago briefs, for example, uh, that you talk about like yoga or crypto or CBD, all of these like things that we could maybe consider trendy and like maybe older generations wouldn't maybe understand them or be into them and that sort of thing, right? And and then seeing their reactions, I love it because initially I thought that it might be like what you were saying, like making them the butt of the joke. But then I loved how you developed it and kind of turned it on its head and and make it like showing the wisdom of the everyday person, right? And just like realizing how attuned to these things they are already, right? I think with a lot of these men on the streets, when you see on TV, you're like, sometimes you're like, is this like made up? Or like, are these actors, the people that he could encountered in the Bago briefs, they're so authentically like uptown latino washington heights you know what i mean like that you know they're not actors these are real reactions real people and i think that authenticity like comes out even especially with that because it's just like oh i know this you know 70 year old dominican lady that is not an actress she's legitimately bugging out about um yoga yoga (laughs) (laughs) it's so funny because i thought yoga yo i i really thought yoga was gonna be so easy 
And the fact that I got such backlash from a lot of individuals in Washington about yoga opened up my mind. And I'm like, whoa, wait a minute. It's just an exercise. And it's like, we tend to live in a world of social media and internet. But there are still a generation of people that are not connected to that. They're just every day doing their thing. And so they're not going to answer or react the same way we're going to react because they're just in their own little world and they're not going to be giving the same answer. Yeah, no, I really like the the yoga one in particular because of that, right? Like you see people have all of these religious or spiritual um perhaps aversions or, or, or at least discomforts to the word because I, I guess they don't understand it the way that we do. And so I really found it so interesting to see that. I, like, as you were saying it, I also was quite surprised that like people didn't know about yoga or just like were able to define it as easily as we assume that we would, right? I also wanted to ask you about in these videos, there's always a scene with you two, right? Where you like sort of come up with the idea and I wanted to ask you about that. Like, I feel like that's sort of a key moment, of course, right? Where where you think about like what to do and like what to sometimes sell or pitch or just, you know, share in, in your video. And so what is that process like? Like, do you do you like sit down and, and write like what, you, what are you thinking or is there like some improvisation element to it as well? When I did the first, the pilot of Bible Briefs, it was about the, the term Latinx. And it was a, a different type of format of the show. And when I told Jamie, I was like, I'm doing the season two. He's like, yo, I want to be involved with it. I want to be the I want to be the expert. Let me take care of that. And that was scripted. But that was Jamie who came in with that vibe that he provides before I go ahead and do this experiment and then test out the experiment. But I'll let Jamie answer that because that was he was the one that was solely in charge of writing those scenes. I mean, he had asked, like, hey, you know, if you want to do anything in it. And I was, if I'm going to do something, you know, I kind of want it to be, like, I don't want to just have, like, one line and out. I want to have, like, a, a recurring thing, but not too much to take away from everything else. So I was like, everybody has, like, that friend who gives bad advice. <laughs> so I, want, I was like, oh, I could be the guy who kind of just giving you, you know, like, I feel like before he actually goes out and does, you know, does things and tries things out, um, it would be funny if he actually had someone who kind of um, gave him really, you know, gave him kind of a summary of, and the audience, a summary of what the show is going to be about. And, but just does it in a really dumb way. <laughs> He's like, this guy knows a little bit, but not that much. And he, his advice puts Bago on a path that is going to be a little bit of a problem for him. Cause he doesn't. Bago doesn't completely have all the information that he needs. So he knows just enough to be dangerous. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, that's, that's that could it. Be the, that could be I think the, that's going to be the, the, the tagline. tagline for uh, the next season. <laughs> right. yeah, I give him a sprinkle of truth and then the rest is just like my, 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 you know, my opinion that is probably not that, you know, I would not that accurate. And then he goes out into the world and does what he does. So I, I thought it was a good, like, it, it kind of had a different vibe than everything else of, in the, in the, in the episodes. But it was short enough just to give you that little bit of like, you know, kind of awkward kind of back and forth comedy, which, again, it was scripted. But when me and Mike get on the camera together, there, there's always going to be some sort of improv that gets kept. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So out of all the takes we do, there's a bunch of improv that stays there because it just it's it's just fun. Like, we'll laugh right after this. The cut. We're laughing. Yeah. 
um, yeah. because it's just, and we were like trying to hold it in during the take. But so we're like, you know what? I think that's the one we're going to keep the one where we just like bugged out and, 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 uh, and just did some crazy stuff off the top, you know? Yeah. And it's so funny because it's like, we all have a friend that doesn't give good advice, but they're so confident. <laughs> yeah, they right. convince you with their confidence. Yeah. And like he was like that. And he, even with the crypto where he's like, hey, you can do this, you can do that. And he's like, hey, can I borrow, you know, a couple of dollars? And I'm like, hey, for that? Like, nah. It's like, wait a minute. So it's sort of in the sense of that everyone. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, he just keeps it because it's like, hey, don't question me. I just gave you some free advice. Go out there and don't worry about me. So that's what was really refreshing in those scenes. It's like by the time you saw the third episode, you're like, all right, what is this overconfident oh, yeah. uh, right. guy going to tell? <laughs> and we, you know Bago's going to take it. It's like, okay, let's see the little bit of the train wreck with the experiment that never works because this guy, he never questions him. Awesome. Yeah. So so then just to, to recap, um, Juan Bago is this sort of meta version of yourself, right, Mike, who's a character, of course, on his own, but also very much, well, he's very much you, but also, from what I understand, a, a distillation of you, right, of certain elements that you... Yeah, like a curb, like a Larry David type, in a sense, where, you know, he, you, you know, when you watch the show, it's not completely him, but there is sort of the truthness of what that is. It's a heightened version of that. In that sense, do you find that when you are Juan Bago, you kind of have the chance to behave differently than when you are Michael Diaz, like on the street or, or wherever? Yeah, yeah. And, you know, the, the truth of the matter, like I've had like the challenge at times of, you know, being the producer and being being Michael Diaz and Juan Bago in the same project is that, you know, at times I have to turn on that switch and be the Wambago. And that's sort of the, the challenge that has been for me throughout the years that, that I've worked on and learned and, and also trust the team, right? So to, to have a team that I can be like, okay, it's Wambago time, especially when I'm doing the man in the street stuff. If I'm Michael Diaz and I'm not on, you're not going to see the version of what you saw in Bible Brief, because these people are like going back and forth and they'll eat you up alive. And there's a lot, you know, especially during the time that I was doing it, people are ready to go. Like you're interrupting. So I had to just bring it. And so that sort of, I had to trust my crew to be like, we got this Bible go. So it's that, but also when I'm doing these smaller projects, I have to trust my team because if not, then Michael Diaz will spill in to the in front of the camera when you said it's bago time it just made me that sounds like that sounds like a catchphrase like oh, yeah. once you just t- transform it's bago time <laughs> and then <laughs> and you get like a that's two that's two of them love it i also wanted to talk about uh your your music videos and your music comedy as well i really love them because i feel like they're a great mixture like obviously the lyrics and the situations are super funny and the video enhances that but you can also clearly tell or at least i can clearly tell that there was a lot of care put into the music as well like it's got great beats and and i think it just works so well because i mean i hear a lot of musical comedy and for me as someone who is a musician and like really loves to listen to music like sometimes when the comedy is purely in the lyrics or what they're saying but not but the music is sort of like an afterthought it kind of turns me off a little bit so i really like that your musical parodies and musical comedy is is not that at all like the music is really actually good and on top of that the lyrics also make you laugh so i don't know is that balance important for you as well like to find 
a good balance between the music, the lyrics, the video, and everything. That's kudos to to the the, the music studio and the production. When we did uh, Bago and O, it was a one night stand. We literally Oscar Martinez O, and I was Juan Bago. At that time, I was helping out my business partner who had a studio, and we had a production company. So the person that actually was the voice for O. And the person that was the voice for me was working in that studio. And they had such a respect and perfection of the music. And so in some ways, if we created these parodies and it was just a bunch of us like, hey, let's go ahead and do it. Maybe that's not the case. But because we were partnering up with a studio that really wanted to have great quality on its own. And oh, by the way, it's funny. Kudos to the Nibs brothers. Tommy, who was the voice for me for Pan Con Queso, he passed away back in 2020. He was a perfectionist. He wanted to make sure the music was great. And then on the end, on the production end, we were working with Gil Flores, who was not from the world of comedy, but very like cinematic type of style. So we put the cinematic style of shooting with music that was very emphasized that had to be on point. And then the comedy was infused in there. And that's why we've had a bunch of videos that were on Moondos and MTV Threads back in the day, because they knew that it wasn't the, the, the standard type of parody, that there was a lot of thought and a lot of work behind the scenes. Yeah, and a lot of production value, right? And, and like really, really taking it seriously. So um, now I guess we can move on to like a couple of other subjects. I want to talk about the Translators podcast as well as just the, the other different things you've been working on. Before the podcast itself, I wanted to ask you, what are some things that you wish more people prioritize when representing Latinos in media? You know what? The reality is we need to emphasize the art. I understand completely, you know, we had an episode with comedians on translators and it was like, by the way, we're comedians who are Latino instead of the title in front of what that art is. And I think we need to emphasize that more and more and more because I feel like when you put Latino in front of it, they'll be like, oh, that's a great, that's a great, funny Latino comedian. But then it's like, oh, but for what? For a Latino? or in general. So I think when it comes to that, focus on the actual art and quality, because at the end of the day, it's a sort of a side thing to be like, oh, that's great, but mainstream, nah, not really. And I think we really need to emphasize that because at the end of the day, there are some great, great content creators that are Latino, that it doesn't matter what the background is. And I agree with that. And I also, I'll also say like the, the variety I don't think we have enough variety as far as how we're portrayed in media, right? And I think I like the podcast space because the podcast space, you actually do have a lot of Latino um, podcasts that are different and, you know, that are not, you can't put in a box like, oh, this is a Latino show. You know, I feel like when you see TV shows and movies, you could put a lot of them, maybe half of more than half of them in a box of like, this is kind of what we've seen. These are characters that we've kind of seen in the past that Hollywood will allow us to show. But there's a lot more to us and there's a lot more stories that are not being told about us. And when I say us, the whole kind of diaspora am i using that right the diaspora of, uh, diaspora? of the diaspora diaspora uh, right diaspora, yeah. Yeah. cut that out uh, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah there, it, like where there's so many uh 
subcultures within the Latino culture. So I don't think that we get enough of an opportunity to show, to tell stories from the whole spectrum of the Latino culture, right? We get certain opportunities and chances. And when those fail, then we're kind of like, everybody's kind of trying to get crumbs, right? And so um, I would just variety, you know, th- mm-hmm. like tell more of the stories out there from all all the, you know, all the cultures, the Latino cultures that, you know, that are beautiful in their own way and have distinct and, you know, similarities, but also differences from each one. Show those stories. Give give us more of a, a of a platform mm-hmm. to, to tell those stories. Certainly. Yeah. And I think, as you said, like having, I guess, as you were saying, like, if you put the adjective in front, like a Latino comedian, like certain audiences may be predisposed to think of that in a certain way already, right? And so maybe instead of that, just having, as you said, a comedian who is Latino, like will give a perspective on a topic that isn't unique to to the Latino community, right? But however, their perspective will be unique or will be like influenced by their own upbringing and knowledge and everything, right? In that sense, I guess I'd like to talk about the Translators podcast now. How and why do you decide to start the Translators podcast? Well, we we did an early version of it a long time ago. Um, and that version was specifically like we wanted to do an inside the act, Latino actor studio where it was like we're focusing specifically on Latinos and the process, you know, what made them want to become an actor and then kind of their process and 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 stuff like that. And so we did that, you know, not a lot of episodes, but we did that around 2015. And, mm-hmm. and then we ended up doing another podcast after that, that, that we became successful at Latinos Out Loud. And that show was more comedy, you know, we had interviews with Latinos, it was kind of the same thing, but it wasn't kind of like as specific as the translators one that we, that we had did before that. So both of us were, you know, no longer on a podcast and we were like maybe let's resurrect the uh resurrect um translators and and so you know with the same kind of specific specificity specificity yeah yeah okay take three so we wanted to open it up more to latino creatives instead of just actors and just kind of get their get them to tell us yeah the the what we focus on the three p's yes we want to tell them the three p's yeah passion the passion that which they is that that specific creative what was their passion and why they picked that and then there's the path what did they do after they knew they were passionate where where did they take their career and then currently their process how they maintain it like what they do to do the type of creative that they do so we because we did translators we spoke about like how one bible has evolved for us as podcasters we knew we needed to refine the for the original version of it and sort of get to a point where we're very specific we knew that these are creatives and we wanted to kind of get in the nerd part of the history right so if we had actors our monologue would be talking about the history of Latino right. actors and how we are to the present time. So there is that educational part in the beginning. And then understanding that whoever you're going to hear on the podcast, they're not here to promote anything specific. We just want to know how you started it and where you're at now, the conflicts that they went through, how their family was reacting. Because what we came from is that we didn't have people that we saw on television or in films that we could be like, oh, let me see how they did it. And so for us, we wanted to do this show so that if you are inspiring, you could look at 
a director or a TV writer and be like, aha, uh -huh, okay, cool. This gives me a little bit of a foundation to understand what I need to do. And oh, by the way, once I'm there, maintaining it. Because we don't hear enough podcasts talking about, well, okay, you're there now, but how do you maintain to be consistent? Because a lot of times it's that one hit wonder or that one opportunity and then you're back. So we wanted to do that. So I think for us and having so much experience in Latinos Allah, we knew we wanted to apply it to be very specific, very refined, so that it could be evergreen, that you could hear an episode from five years from now and it still stands. I love that. Yeah, and, and I'm glad you mentioned Latinos Out Loud because I actually was going to ask or, or mention it in the conversation. I mean, I really like it. And also Studio Chenta has been on, like our, our founder and CEO, Lori Martinez, and our editorial manager, Mario Lombardo, talked about our show Asafata in Atacama, their adventure in Atacama in English. And also Isabella Gomez, who was recently on La Cabina Telefonica, was was recently on the show as well. So like, I mean, we, we love it. It's a lot of fun. And However, I do like that you make that distinction of the Translators podcast having this very specific goal, sort of chance to inspire other creators by way of just letting them hear the experiences and sources and even, I guess, also the frustrations and challenges of your different guests. Yeah. I mean, you were going to say something. Go ahead. No, I mean, as a fellow podcaster, you know that the beauty of podcasting is that you can be niche you know, and you'll find an audience with the niche thing. I mean, you know, we want to talk to Latino creatives because it's like, who's talking to Latino creatives? It's got to be us. Yeah. The thing about it is this, right? So a lot of Latino creatives, they're going to go on the circuit and they're going to talk about their specific project. And so you, and we're comedians, so we're going to bug out. We'll have fun. But what we wanted to do with translators is, okay, we're going to bug out, but let's get to know you and how you started, that uniqueness. Because nine times out of 10, when they do have an opportunity to promote something, they're not getting into that. Because it's like, okay, you're gonna have this period of time. Oh, we're bugging out, we went on rants. What did you do last weekend? This is not that. This is, we wanna know how you started and what got you to pivot. Because a lot of times we've discovered that there was a mistake or a failure or something that then led them to pivot to do what they're doing. And so I think we wanted to be that space for somebody that when you know, if you have a Riddell Ortiz, for example, you know he's gonna bug out when he's on the podcast, but when he's on ours, we wanted to know, oh, when he was in high school, he was doing these little messing around and led to him have a muscle memory to then create where he's creating now. So we wanted to have that space that you knew that when you have a guest on our podcast, we're gonna see a different version of them, or you're gonna hear a different side of them that you could take on and be more inspired than seeing the final product. You're going to see how they cooked. I love that. And I wanted to ask you, what were maybe a couple of moments or interactions that were perhaps a pleasant surprise uh, when you were recording, either because they made you laugh when you least expected it, or maybe because they were like a particularly revealing moment from one of your guests? I mean, for me, when we had Yamin and Dominic, hearing their journey especially as a writer, the imposter syndrome of being in a writer's room. And, you know, there's not enough Latino writers or writers that are Latino in writer's room. It could be very intimidating. That was one of my favorite ones because it was ensuring that our journey that we're going through right now is quite normal and yet can get dark. Yeah, I mean, I remember what, what stood out. We had some episodes with stand-ups. Um, we had uh, Gina Bidion, and she would talk about how they would book her a lot for Latino shows. And it was hard to get out of a box to just be considered 
a stand-up comedian as opposed to a Latino stand-up. You know, she was also a woman in comedy, which is another, uh, you know, another obstacle, you know, in a, in a boys club, such as being a stand-up and stuff like that. And, uh, and real quick, to, yeah. to piggyback, let's not forget that a lot of the guests we have, the majority, are kids of immigrants that came to this country. And so they're not like, oh, you want to get into arts? Yeah, go ahead. You know? you, right, yeah. It's like a lot of times mainstream, they have the luxury of their parents being like, go ahead, do whatever you want. These individuals that we had, the majority of them really had to take that chance. They really had to prove. They really had to be serious. And they had an extra conflict because a lot of these parents wanted them to get a professional job. And so they had to go. And so we know that there's a generation of people that are listening or that are inspiring that are dealing with that. It's not as easy to be like, I want to be a stand-up comedian. Thanks. No, it's not when your parents come from another country to succeed for you to be like, yeah, I just want to get into arts. So that, that was also a common thing that we seen as guests with their path. How do they get to that path when you have those conflicts with your own family? I love all of this because I, I love how you create this space where obviously you can have a lot of fun and be really funny and laugh at each other, but also at the same time, like allow the real discussion to, to come up. Right. And, and all of these struggles that are often overlooked by people who, who didn't go through the same things. Right. So, I mean, we have tissues nearby. So if people want to cry, <laughs> we're, you know, we're ready for it. You know, it's like, Hey, you know, let it out. Don't be afraid. Like, you know, <laughs> yeah. we gotta get, we gotta get sponsorship for the tissues. We learned a lot from uh, Barbara. We learned a lot from Barbara Walters. Uh, RIP uh, growing up. So yeah. yeah. <laughs> Just one last question about that before I do a very quick lightning round of questions at the end. Um, what are your plans with the show moving forward? Are there like, I don't know, other topics, other guests or other things that you want to to work on or, or to include in the show? Yeah, well, we had eight, we had eight episodes. Um, each episode was a different creative. There are still space that uh, we want to... Singers. Singers, yeah. Um, we didn't even touch music. So Poetry. Poetry. You know, you know, oh, we know right. some poetry. So, and, um, so, yeah, our first season, eight episodes, it was a tight first season because, you know, every first season you're, you're still learning and you're still, uh, you know, finding out about, uh, you know, different aspects of the show and how to get better for the... So, and I think we did learn uh, a lot as far as the first season that will take into season two. Awesome. Thank you. Well, uh, I guess I just have three very quick lightning round questions. Ooh. First one, uh, what's a song that always cheers you up? Um, Pump Up the Jam. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Do you remember that? Yeah, 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 of course. Bump up the, yo, if I hear that song anywhere, I'm like, all right, I want roller skates. I want to just... I want to roller skate somewhere. Want- I'm upset because that's also my answer <laughs> to the point where I have a year old and from him being two months old, I was playing him pump up the jam. I would be like, hey, Google, play pump up the jam. And if I play pump up the jam right now, this kid loses it. Were you really going to say yeah, pump, the pump up the jam is the one? Yeah. We've never talked about pump this up is, the jam. As I've just, known him for like more than 10 years. This was not prepared. We're out of character right now. <laughs> yeah. Bro. Yeah. yeah, it threw us off. That question threw us off. Yeah, yeah. Wow. Yeah, yeah. Thanks for not asking that in the beginning. <laughs> we would have been, okay. been right off the rails. Yeah. Okay. Second question. Um, what's your favorite example of a thing abuela says? Like ponte un suéter, you know that sort of thing. Ooh, ooh. Uh, my well, look, I never really kind of grew up with my grandparents, so I have to take my mom's. Okay, okay. But she would be like, "Mira, la vida no es fácil." 
And okay. so I, I feel like <laughs> she would just say that randomly, even if I was just going to go outside to play basketball. Oh, yeah, mira, la vida no es fácil. And um, <laughs> I feel like th that was just one of those things that I always remember her kind of telling me as advice. Yeah. And it's kind of like depressing. <laughs> I know. <laughs> but it's real. It's real. She but... saw you look, you're like in a really great mood. You're like, <laughs> mira, la vida no es fácil. Damn, y'all. Yeah, playing video games. Uh, <laughs> oh, yeah, hey. La vida no es fácil. I'm like, what? I'm just trying to play Super Mario Brothers. What is going on? <laughs> you know what my grandmother, uh, my mother's yeah. mother, she really is always emphasis eat. Like, I just came back from Dominican Republic right now, and it's just like, she'll uh -huh. look at me, tu comiste? Tu quieres comer algo? Like, it's been like that all my life. No matter if it's at her house, at my mom's house, and no matter what, she's always looking at me like one-on-one. Mira, tu comiste. Tu quieres algo para comer. I'm like, okay, fine. Full stomach. Even if he just say Yeah, it doesn't matter. Tu quieres más. And now that I have my son, she looked at me like, he comió. He quiere algo comer. I'm like, all right. So the final one, um, if you somehow had the chance to, I guess, magically bring someone back from the dead to interview for the Translators podcast, who would it be? And it can be someone from before the podcast era, if you'd like, like from 100 years ago oh, wow. or whatever, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. That, dude. Um, I'm like Delane. I am. Um, I might pick two, right? just because they're too different but like um since i'm a comedy head and and uh freddie prince from chico and the man he really kind of was you know young latino comedian in the 70s blowing up and being on a primetime show was not the norm you know and so i think he did pave the way for a lot of you know future tv but his 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 career was cut so short that it's like we never really got to and, and he also co-host of The Tonight Show for Johnny Carson sometimes. So there's so much to him, but he died so suddenly and tragically that I feel like we don't know anything about. There's no interviews with him. And I just love to just talk to him, pick his brain and, and I don't know, and just kind of be around that comedy genius of his that we were kind of not really, we didn't get to see like for a long period of time. Um, and the other one quickly uh, Raul Julia, who I thought, you know, was one of the best actors. He had a long career, but I think, you know, we we would have got a lot more great uh, performances from him if he didn't pass away uh, when he did. So, so uh, yeah, those two, those two would be on my um, my what if season of the translators. That's your AI <laughs> chat GPT version. If we did that, right? We would get that. <laughs> Mine would be Cantinfla, right? Ooh, uh, okay. But I, I must admit, because he answered first, I have more time, right? We're going to my database. Okay. And the okay. guy that, and I don't know the name and pardon my name, that I don't know, but the guy that did Chaplin Colorado, and when we're talking about sketches and characters, that, that individual was doing the, the multiple characters and stuff. So those are the two that I would pick to, to interview. Awesome. Okay, well, that's it. Uh, well, thank you so much, uh, Michael and Jamie. For, yeah, well, for thank this. you. It was a pleasure. I had a lot of fun. Uh, likewise. Great questions. Just to, to finish this, uh, where can people read more about you, follow you, wherever? Yeah, well, first uh, season one of Translators mm -hmm. Podcast on YouTube, uh, Instagram, Twitter, um, Spotify, everywhere you can listen to it, Translators Podcast. We have a uh, season of eight episodes. And for me individually is uh, Juan Bago. 
Uh, well, I'd also just like to quickly plug. I have the I have an Audible series that I co-wrote and directed. Um, Michelle Rojas is not okay, and that stars voices Dasha Polanco, Dasha Polanco uh, Kimero, uh, Ruben Blade. So that's out there on Audible. Check that out, and you can catch me uh, at Instagram J Ferns. But thank you for having us on the show. Yes. Uh, really appreciate it, and we really enjoyed. Uh, we did. Here. We yeah. learned about Pump Up the Jam. We never knew that. <laughs> That was my song. We'll probably, hey, we should go to a club and just uh, request that. (laughs) Champagne. (laughs) Thank you so much to Michael and Jamie for this conversation, for opening up about their creative process, and most importantly, for the laughs. It's always refreshing to listen to creators who aim to give voice to their community, both with humor and with sincerity. You can find both of them on Instagram, Michael at Juan Bago and Jamie at J-F-E-R-N-Z, so J-Ferns, and their podcast at Translators Podcast. You can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Ochenta Podcasts and on TikTok at Studio Ochenta. Thanks for listening. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program. Hi, it's Luis here. And I want to tell you about a show we've been listening to called The Pulso Podcast. There are a lot of podcasts that cover Latino culture and news. But this is one of the first we've heard that really utilizes the through line of history to provide more context and nuance to our stories. From the halls of Congress to the stages of Broadway, even the food we consider to be American... Latinos helped build this country, and we're not going anywhere. Yet most podcasts are still lacking Latino representation behind and in front of the mic. The Pulso Podcast is a Latina-hosted, Latina-produced show that explores untold stories and unheard voices shaping the experiences of nuestra gente. They've covered topics from beauty standards and gender equality to mental health and food origins. And did you know that there is an official Spanish version of the Star-Spangled Banner? Or that a team of Mexican lawyers changed the future of segregation laws in the 50s? To hear more, check out the Pulso podcast on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.